Turn with me to Hebrews, the eighth chapter. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to Hebrews 8. In Hebrews 8 and verse uh, 10, a prophecy that is fulfilled in our day was spoken a long time ago said, this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind, write them in their hearts. I'll be to them a God, they'll be to me a people. Verse 11, they'll not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. This is why, one of the big reasons why, our covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. Because uh, uh, not too many people knew God personally in the Old Covenant. The prophet uh, had some personal contact with God, uh, the king or a a judge or a deliverer, but the mass of, of folks did not. And if they wanted to know something, they had to go to a prophet and inquire of the Lord. But today, in this new covenant, he said, they'll all know me, from the least to the greatest, And today, you don't have to go to somebody and ask them if they will pray for you, if they'll try to get get, uh, an answer uh, from God for you. You can go straight to him yourself. By what Jesus has done, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So uh, we've been talking about knowing him for ourselves and walking with him. The 11th chapter describes this in in Hebrews 11 and 5. Hebrews 11, 5, and I'll read Young's literal translation. It says, By faith Enoch was translated not to see death and was not found because God did translate him. For before his translation he had been testified to that he had pleased God well. He pleased God well. In verse 6, Apart from faith, it is impossible to please well. For it behooves him who's coming to God to believe that he is, and to those seeking him, he becomes a rewarder. Enoch walked with God by faith, and obviously fellowshiped with God and came to know God, and it progressed to the point where God took him out of here, and instead of him, you know, fellowshipping and and back and forth, he he just stayed with God. And he said this is true for all of us, that if you're going to please God, you have to do so by faith. So how do we walk with God? By By faith. Now, we've covered a lot of ground, and if this is the first time you've been with us on this series, go to the Word Supply or or go online and download the previous messages. We've already covered a lot of ground. Get caught up with us on this, because everything that we've gone over before is built toward this and the next steps. But we've been talking about how to know God and how to walk with Him. And one of the things that we've seen is in Amos 3. Amos, the third chapter and the third verse, it said, if you're going to walk with, how can two rather, walk together except what? Except they be agreed. And if we're going to walk with God, we have to find out how he thinks. 
and what he likes and what he doesn't like and what he loves and what he hates. You're not going to be able to stay with people and fellowship with them all the time if you have completely different values and priorities than they do. Right? If you're going to stay together and live together and have close fellowship, you've got to have a lot in common. People say, well, when it talk about men and women and husbands and wives, opposites attract. Not in things that matter. <laughs> How about that? That's all right. You can like vanilla and she can like chocolate. You can like red and she can like purple. That's okay. But in stuff that's important and matter, you need to be on the same page. Because you fellowship around things that you have in common. And if we're going to walk with God, we have to have the same things in common with him. We, should, we, we must come to love what he loves and despise what he despises. Would you agree? And people who, who know him at some level have learned some of these things. And so we, we prayed it before, but for those of that, that were not with us, uh, if you'd like to, pray this out loud and say, Father God, I want to see what you see. I want your values to be my values, your priorities to be my priorities. Open my eyes and my mind. Help me to see it. Work in me to desire it. This is my desire. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. So be it. So we've looked at a number of things. I'll review just a little bit. We've found, among other things, that God loves righteousness. He loves, and righteous is a, an old English word. If you take the yus off, <laughs> you just got right. God, the Bible said that in Psalm eleven seven, the righteous Lord loves righteousness. He's a good God. He loves what's good. He's a fair, just God. He loves what's fair. And he, he hates unfairness and injustice. Said out loud, if he loves it, I love it. If he hates it, I hate it. Also, the Lord is truth. And he loves truth and he hates lies. And he hates deception. The devil is the father of lying. The spirit of God's called the spirit of truth. The word's called the word of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And if you're going to, to draw near to him and walk with him, you have to despise phoniness and lies and deception. And even if you've been a terrible liar most of your life, you can change. Even if you, now a lot of people grew up in a household of lying. Their parents told them to lie. Lie to teachers, lie to coaches, lie to this one, lie to that one. People have taught, you know, uh, that you know when you're in trouble and you need to save your hide, you lie. But I'm telling you, God hates it. I didn't say he hates liars. He loves liars. He hates lying. We must separate the people from the problem. So, 
the scripture said in Zechariah 8, Zechariah 8 and uh, 16, speak ye every man truth to his neighbor, execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against your neighbor and love no false oath for all these are things that I hate, says the Lord. That's Zechariah 8, 17. And verse 19, thus says the Lord, he said uh, the last phrase, love the truth and peace. Everybody say, I love the truth. I love the truth. And I love what's right. Amen. This already is putting you more on the page with him, if this is true. Now we, we got into this some, and the last time I was with you is 1 Samuel 2.30. 1 Samuel 2.30, the Lord said, Them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. God is a God of honor and glory. Sometimes the same word translated honor is translated glory. Our generation has lost a lot of this. And uh, actually, we are suffering today from the rebellion of the 60s. Are y'all with me, friends? A lot of things have been lost to the following generation. And when that happens, not only are you missing it, you never had it. So you don't even know what what you're missing. But God is a God of honor. Amen. And I'm telling you, this, I begin to get to where I am not able to express it when I start talking about it. Because if you ever touch some of the, the deep things of God in this area, it just, it's past words. What's inside him and his honor and his glory. And who did he say he would honor? Those that what? That honor him. We talked about uh, when Jesus went into the temple. And he turned over the uh, money changers tables. Because they had turned the sanctuary into a livestock barn. And uh, a flea market. Huh? And uh, he said my house is a house of prayer. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. And you see one of the strongest expressions of the master in stopping that. Why? It's because the whole atmosphere had changed. There, there was no honor. We're not talking about being depressed when you think about God. We're just talking about being in awe of his greatness. And showing him the respect he deserves. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Isn't he? He's our God. He gives us our next breath. He is awesome. He's amazing. Amazing. And uh, th there is, uh, uh, with so many churches, there's this thing that, you know, churches just kind of become a social club. People use junk for the church. And uh, people are punctual at work, but they're late. And, and loose and lax with the church things. And it, well it's just the church. And you know we'll get to it when we can. And, and uh, it's down on the list of things that are taken care of. And it's just sloppiness and, and looseness. And, and all of this is disrespectful to God himself. Right? How many believe you ought to do the best you know how? 
and believe to do better. Right? And uh, when it comes time for the Lord things to be done, I'm very pleased to see that, you know, some people, bless their hearts, they, they, if it rains, they don't come. And if they thought they might get wet or this or that, they don't come. And, and uh, you know, they, you know, show up, uh, the service is all already half over, and all of these things. But you're not doing that. Amen. Please, I believe it pleases the Lord. Amen. I know it pleases me. So, uh, and I've, we've seen this with the other things of God. He honors those who honor him. If you put him first, you do his things with the best excellence that you know how. Do you know what happens? He helps you in your life, your personal life, and in your business. He helps bring it up to another level. Those who honor him, he honors. Now that uh, this is tied in with what we're getting in today further, another area of knowing him and what he's like. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Keep reading. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Learn about me, Jesus said. Isn't that what this whole series is we're talking about? We want to get to know him. Not just know about him, but know him experientially and personally. There is so much junk that has been told. God has been so misrepresented. And there's so much stuff that people have imagined. God is not just the way anybody and everybody has imagined him to be. He is who he is. And some people have imagined that he's like them. But no, we're not, he, he doesn't conform to us. We conform to him. Our minds need to be renewed, the scripture says, so that we're transformed into his likeness and image. And here it says, Jesus said, learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. He is humble. God is pleased with humility, and he blesses the humble. Do you believe it? Now, there's been a lot of misconception about what humility is. This is one of the first things that the Lord spoke to me as a a boy. I, I began to get hungry to know God as a boy. And I thought, well, I've never read the scriptures through. And, and I, so I started in Genesis and I got to Numbers. And I remember it distinctly. I was sitting in a chair reading the Bible. I got to Numbers 12, 3. <laughs> and it said, now the man Moses was meek above all the men on the face of the earth. And when, when I read that, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me, it came up to my mind. He he said to me, did you notice Moses was the meekest man, the most humble man in his generation? I thought, absolutely, that's what it says. Then just right after that, the phrase came to me, did you realize he was also the most used man of me in his generation? I think that's indisputable. Is there a connection? 
between the most humble and the most used? Absolutely. Go with me to the book of James. James, the fourth chapter. James chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, but, but he, God gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God does what? Resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you want to be resisted of God or graced of God? Well, then we must overcome pride. Pride is a subtle thing. And I'll tell you right now, there's more of it in you than you want to admit. <laughs> and especially if, you, if you've grown up with wrong thinking, people are taught well, you know, I may not have much, but I got my pride. <laughs> People say, well, we, we're poor, but we're proud. And God will deliver you from both of those conditions <laughs> if you'll let him. Well, I got to hold on to my pride. This is contrary to the Bible. What did Jesus say? Come learn of me. I'm what? I've got my pride? No, no. I'm meek. But so many have equated meek with weak. And it, nothing could be further from the truth. And then you got folks that have this phony, false humility. They're actually proud of how humble they think they are. It's a big convoluted mess. So as a boy, reading that passage, looking back now, I can see it's a foundation that the Lord laid in my heart to help bring me from there to where he wanted me to be. I said, I just stopped and I said, Lord, just in a flash, I knew it was him, it was his spirit helped me to see it. I said, Lord, teach me what real humility is. Because I see I don't know. Teach me. And so I got a few things uh, the next several years. But then it was when I got to Bible school. And it came up again. I read a book on humility. And it stirred it up in me again. And I really began to seek the Lord. And then after that it seemed like the Lord uh, for a whole year was showing me things about this. And then every year after that he'd show me another thing or two throughout the year. And it began to change my life. The thing you got to do is put your finger on pride in your life and say, this is pride and it's ugly and I don't want it. And if God hates it, I hate it. Now, do you remember we read in, what was it, Proverbs 6, the list of seven things that God hates? Do you remember that? Proverbs six sixteen, I guess it is. Did you remember the first one on the list? <laughs> These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Verse 17, what's the first one? Pride. A proud look. Jesus had come learn about me. I'm meek. Not weak. Meek. Now, there are many attributes of pride and many attributes of humility. 
And you won't learn all about it overnight or in a week or two. But how many would desire for the Lord to teach you and help you? Now, I'll I'll tell you ahead of time, you won't like what you see. (laughs) It is not pleasant. (laughs) But you cannot grow until you see it. But now here's the good news. What do the proud get from God? They get resisted. God resists the proud. What do the humble get? Oh, friend. The grace of God is the ability of God, the favor of God, the, the, the equipping of God. Everything you need is summed up in the word grace. And if you've got enough grace, you can get through anything. If you've got enough grace, you can receive anything. You can do anything. How many remember the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It is enough for you to do anything. Do you want the grace? Do you need the grace? Who gets it? Not the proud, the humble. So I want you to pray a prayer with me and release faith and then brace yourself. (laughs) Say it out loud, Father God, I see in your word that you hate pride. And pride is the nature of the devil. And you resist pride. And if you hate it, I hate it. It's my choice. And so I'm asking you, open my eyes to see pride in myself, anything that's ungodly and prideful. Help me to see it. Help me to recognize it and grace me to change it and yield to it no more. I desire to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you meant that, you'll, you'll immediately begin to see some things. <laughs> he will show you. You'll, you'll say something, you'll do something, you'll think something, and you'll go, ooh, whoa, whoa. That's ugly. <laughs> That's ugly, stinking pride. And I repent. And I'm not going to say it like that, and I'm not going to do it like that. Here, here's one thing that you can check up on yourself. Uh, John 7 says, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. Was that John 7, 17 or so? No, 18. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) He that speaks of himself does what? Seeks his own glory. The next time you hear yourself telling somebody all this stuff, what you have, what you did, what you know, what you've experienced, just kind of sneak up on yourself from the behind and listen and ask yourself, why am I telling them this? Am I telling them to bless them, to help them, or to impress them with me? Y'all with me, friend? What's the problem with it? What do the proud get? No, they get resisted by God. How many think you're not in good shape when God is resisting you? But what do the humble get? Grace, grace, amazing, all-empowering, enabling grace. 
Thank God. <laughs> Selah. Means think about that. Are you in James 4? We'll just stay right there. He describes some things that are hindering in the rest of this chapter. Verse 10, James 4.10 says what? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Now, man, this is so big. I'm, I'm believe, just believing God what to touch on now. Uh, we have whole series on these subjects that you can download for free or you can get uh, in the word supply and camp out in it. And I know that a lot of times people, that they don't, their first thought is, I don't want to hear 20 hours about pride and <laughs> humility. Yeah, you do. Yes, you, I'm telling you, you do. Do you want to get the hindrances out of the way and get grace of God flowing in your life? Well, you do. One of the biggest identifiers of real humility that I'm aware of is honesty. You show me a genuinely humble person, I'll show you a genuinely honest person. Pride is a deceiver. And so pride hides, distorts, blows out of proportion, you know, brags, inflates. Humility tells it like it is. Even if it's not flattering, it just still tells the truth. Right? And it's honest. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Now skip on down to uh, verse 13. Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. 15. For that you ought to say if the Lord will we shall live and do this or that. 16. Now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Verse 17. Therefore to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now he was talking about uh, pride and humility. Uh, two places previous in this chapter. And this ties right in with that. This is a, a, uh, an expansion of the same ideas. And faith people, so-called, word and faith people, have missed it in this area. People have learned that you're not supposed to say, if it be thy will, in every prayer that you're praying, trying to pray a prayer of faith. You've got to know the will of God to pray a prayer of faith. But beware of taking a truth and making it the only truth. Then because of that, people have gotten to the place where they never would say, if, it be the, if it's the Lord's will. And they try to be adamant and bold in their declarations about everything with everybody all the time. And that's wrong. I said, that's wrong. It actually is presumptuous and prideful. When you know the will of God and you know what the Lord has told you, then yes, you can declare it. And you don't have to say if. But there's a whole lot of things you and I ought not be telling. We ought to be asking. And we ought to be showing some humility. 
Well, aren't you glad you got out on a rainy day to come, come hear this? <laughs> uh, I actually had a, uh, I taught a class in the Bible school back years ago about some of these things. And uh, more than once, I had some of the young students come to me and I, they'd say, oh man, I'm looking forward to your class. We talked about submission and authority. We talked about pride and humility and those things. I said, man, I'm, I'm so looking forward to your class. You know, the submission's always been easy for me. They'd say, I know right away they don't have a clue what it is. Because submission's not easy for anybody. And uh, people say, oh man, you know, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward. And then uh, once uh, we got into it, some of them came to me and said, you know, Brother Keith, I, I never used to have any trouble with pride till I took your class. <laughs> I never had any trouble with it till I took your class. Well, I said, no, you don't have trouble with stuff you just yield to. It's only when you identify it and start dealing with it. It's, it's, it's kind of like a habit that you say, I can quit anytime I want to. Show us. And then when you actually go to quit, you realize, whoo. That thing had more of a hold on me than I wanted to admit that it did. He said, don't boast when basically when you don't know what the will of God is in a situation, you're not supposed to be adamant and bold and declaring. Let's look at it again. Verse 13, go to now you that say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such a city. We're going to stay a year. We're going to buy. We're going to sell. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I mean, that sounds just like the faith bunch, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So Mr. said, well, Brother Keith, I, I've heard you teach on confession extensively. Absolutely. And you're going to hear it some more. But you don't take a truth and make it the only truth. All the scriptures agree. Right? And here he's saying, uh, you ought to say. If the Lord will, we'll live and do this or that. But he said, you don't know what is on tomorrow. And so you, we should show some humility in the areas that we don't know. And we don't have. And we should ask questions instead of telling and declaring. Is this okay, saints? And uh, you'll see that uh, pride will make, will tell when it should be asking. Go with me to Hebrews, please. The 13th chapter. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Put this up in the complete Jewish Bible translation for me, please. The CJB, if we got that. King James says, obey them that have the rule over you. Oh, we got it. Good. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, this is absolutely politically incorrect. <laughs> obey? Submit? Oh. And yet, it's because of the pride. The church has lost some things through the generations. And, and many churches, their pastors, their ministers have been reduced to paid counselors. And, and in many, many churches, 
pastors, leaders, overseers are hired and fired and changed like socks. Every few months, every couple of years, whether we really need it or not, just, you know, keep something fresh going in, coming in and going out. And, 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 and the people are not expected to do anything. They are praised if they show up. But that misrepresents the Lord. He never said that was okay. He never set it up that way. The Lord spoke to me back several years ago when we first started the Branson Church these words. He said to my heart, not a voice, but uh, he said, many of my people are not deriving the full benefit of my gifts to them. They're not getting the full benefit. Now when he says gifts, he's talking about in Ephesians, God gave gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, so that they can do the work of the ministry, if you look it up. Edifying, building up of the body of Christ. But, uh, like I said, for the most part, people look at ministers as kind of maybe a life coach, and maybe somebody a little more spiritual than the average Joe that could do some praying for you. But what did the scripture say? Obey them and submit to them. That's a completely different thing. Right? And Phyllis and I have noticed this. And Now you can get in the ditch on either side. The Bible said in 1 Peter about the leaders that you're not to act as Lord's over God's flock, but as examples. So you got people that get in the ditch on one side, and uh, you know they're trying to say you have to come to me, and I'll tell you who to marry, and I'll tell you what model car to buy. No, 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 no. That's not right. You've got the Holy Spirit inside you. You're supposed to learn to be led for yourself, right? But on the other hand, then you got folks that are so prideful and so independent. That they give no place for spiritual leadership to speak into their life. Did you hear me? About direction and about spiritual things and the plan of God and the work of the church and all these kind of things. And Phyllis and I have had to say too many times concerning people that are making decisions and they're making their plans and they're doing things. And we sometimes we see things and know things, but a lot of times we don't say it. Why? We'll say, well, they didn't ask us. They didn't ask us. So they're not giving us place. And that's exactly what the Lord was talking about. So many of my people are not getting the full benefit out of the gifts I've given them. There's an anointing on headship, whether it's in the home or in the church or in the ministry, in the body of Christ, for protection. By that anointing, leaders will see and notice things you might not see and notice. That can protect you. And help you. But again and again. We've had people just say. We're going to do this. We're not going to do that. And you can tell. They're not open to anything. They've already made up their minds. So why don't you just tell them. You're not supposed to. The Bible said. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't give precious things. To people who don't value them. 
who don't want to hear them. And a lot of times people say, oh, brother, you know, if you ever see anything, if you ever get anything, please tell me. Oh, please tell me. And a lot of times it just ain't so. You, the Spirit of God will help you to know if I tell them this, they're just going to get mad and it's not going to help one thing because they're not open. Well, why would the person not be open? Pride. Unteachable. Not open. Man, Phyllis and I have been spared so many times in the previous 30 years by the elders and leaders that are in our life. Is that right, Phyllis? I'm telling you. There's been, I remember this, this one particular doctrine was real popular and a lot of meetings were going on. This was 30 years ago. And man, it sure seemed like God to me. And it sure seemed, you know, they, man, we had scriptures for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Brother Hagen, my father in the faith, he got up and started to speak. And, I, and he didn't call any names. He didn't come against anybody. But as he's talking about it, I can tell he's already been there. He's heard it. He's seen it. He's saying this is not right. And so even though I didn't see it, and it looked right to me, the Lord had already told me, he said, I could have sent you anywhere. I got many good works all over this world, many good ministries. I could have sent you to any one of those. I sent you to this one, which means you hook here, and you submit, and you listen, and you receive. Well, you know, the Bible said, Jesus said uh, to those that followed, he said, come and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Didn't he say that? He didn't say come and tell me what you want to do. <laughs> Did he? But see that's the mentality. Of the church today. That you ought to just be thrilled. If I show up. <laughs> well actually. It's a privilege. To serve the Lord. Because not only. Does it bless you now and help you now? There is reward in the time to come for everybody that does anything in the kingdom. I don't care if it's just push a broom or, or wipe off a seat. I'm telling you, if you do it in love and faith, it's going to come back to you in reward. So it's a privilege. But uh, if you're not open and teachable and receptive, then there'll be so many things that you'll miss and assume and get wrong. People say, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Does that sound familiar? I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Did you ask anybody? Did you ask? Well, I don't have to ask anybody. This is America. <laughs> it's not just America. It's the kingdom. It's the church. Right? And you do have the Holy Spirit. And you're not supposed to run to somebody for them to tell you what color tie to wear or what kind of car to buy or who to marry. Are you with me, friends? But God's plan is that there be spiritual leadership. And when it comes to decisions and, and following the plan of God and, and doctrine and the Bible and, and spiritual things and the church, and you're supposed to submit to those that are over you in the Lord. I know it's a foreign concept, but it's always been this way. God's never changed it. You want to look at it again? <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17, complete Jewish. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they do what? They keep watch over your lives as people who will have to render an account. 
So make it a task of joy for them, not one of groaning. Don't make your leaders groan. Because <laughs> you're hard-headed. And you won't listen. And you already made up your mind. And you're not open. And you won't ask. For that is of no advantage to you. The Lord helped me by his grace as I sat there and heard my elder who, was, who had been in the Lord already 40 years more than me at that time and had multiple experiences from the head of the church. And I just sat there and I thought, well, now, well, hold on. I don't see it. It still looks right to me, but at least I can back off and wait and look at this thing. And sure enough, it took me a couple of years to see the truth of it. But that's one of the reasons why God's given us leaders. Because that experience and that anointing will give insight you don't have. How many know this is one of the reasons why God gave kids parents? Because you can think you got it all figured out at 14. But do you? Oh, so many things you don't have a clue about. And if you've got good parents and you will give them the proper place that they're supposed to have in your life, you can be spared, you can be protected. Do you believe it? You can be helped. I'm not talking about people trying to manipulate you and control you. I'm talking about people that love you and are anointed and got your best interest at heart in mind. But here's the thing. The scripture says, every one of these phrases, it said, submit yourself. That's not somebody making you do something. That's not leadership coming to you and saying, you have to do this, because actually you don't. It's you submitting yourself to them. You can't have the attitude, well, if they want to tell me something, they know where I am. They can come find me and tell me. That's pride. I said, that's pride. That's ugly. That's not how it works. I know the Lord helped Phyllis and I to see concerning our elders, the Hagans. They're both in heaven now. But uh, the Lord had us go to them. And even after we'd been in ministry, we served with them for uh, 15 plus years. And we're in our own ministry at that time doing some things. And I'm praying one day in a meeting on the other side of the country. And the Lord said, I never released you from helping them. <laughs> I just assumed... <laughs> Because we had left and weren't part of the uh, ongoing daily things. He said, so, we, man, we got on a plane. We found them on the other side of the country. We went to them. Everybody say, submit yourself. Submit now, who's the understood subject there? You. you. Who's going to make you submit? Jesus. Unless you do it, it's not going to happen. Now, see, in the world, it doesn't work that way. In the world, people tell you what to do and follow up and try to make you do it. That's not how the kingdom works. I know some folks in the church have tried to do it that way. That's not how it works. But we went and found them. And by the grace of God, we said, can we talk to you? And they said, sure. They're glad to see us. Of course, we'd already been associated with them for 15 years. And we said, uh, I told Brother Hagin what the Lord had told me. I said, uh, can we help you? Can we assist you some way? He smiled and said, yeah. And those next, what was it, five or seven years were some of the richest. Glory to God. Amen that we had ever had. But we had to keep showing up and say, now we got our own ministry. I'm preaching in large meetings, but my part with him at that time was uh, driving a car, toting a, a briefcase, singing a song if he wanted me to sing one, 
But it was the will of God and it was the plan of God. And I know without a doubt we couldn't be doing what we're doing today if we hadn't done that. They didn't come find us and say you need to do this. We came to them. And then we kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. Why? Because the Lord had spoken to me 20 years ago and gave me my directive. I didn't know it was going to be for the next 20 years of my life. He gave me three words. Three words. Help Brother Hagen. <laughs> Help Brother Hagen. What does that mean? See, a lot of times people come and say, well, I'll do this. Well, no. Did the Lord tell you? You don't get to say what you do. <laughs> That's part of the anointing that goes with leadership. To help find your place. Well I you know. What did the Lord tell you? If he said you get in there you get hooked. That's your church. That's your place. Right? Then you got to be open. And you must not make hard and fast comments. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I can do this. This is me. This is not me. You got to be open and humble and teachable. Just about everybody on our staff is doing something completely different than they thought they would do. Including the guy you're looking at. I was just sure I was not a pastor. Just sure. For 20 years. Sure. After, I don't know, 15 years in the ministry, Phyllis and I were on vacation out at the lake one time. I looked at her. I said, you ever thought about pastoring? She said, no, never. I said, me either. <laughs> that was the whole conversation. <laughs> but I'm not the boss. Amen. I said, I'm not the boss. There is a head of the church, Amen. right? And I need to ask him, don't I? Yeah. Instead of saying, I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to do that. And I might go here. I may not go here. And, you know, you can't tell me I got the spirit too. You know who first said that? Korah, Dathan, and Abiram that got swallowed up. That was their phrase. I have the spirit too. God said, this is what I think about rebellion. Ground swallowed him up. He hates it. We're talking about what he loves and what he hates. He loves humility. He loves meekness. He loves you coming before him and acting honestly like he's the one who gives you your next breath. And you wouldn't know which way was up unless he told you. And you acting like you realize that. Huh? You come before him and say, oh God, I'm yours to command. You show me when, where, and how. I'm ready. I don't care if it's radically different than anything I ever thought about. Not my will, but your will be done. Right? The Lord loves that. That pleases him. And he gives grace to people whose heart is really that way. But the haughty get resisted. Do you believe it's worth your effort to try to find out the hindering prideful things? Anybody believe you heard your prayer already this morning and that Amen. it's already at work? And so we are going to get rid of this junk. Come on, stand up if you're serious about this. We're going to get rid of this junk. And the Lord's going to show us. And we're going to grow in humility. And we're going to find our place. We're going to get in it. We're going to function. We're not going to waste our life just doing natural stuff only. We're going to find and do something fruitful for the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes if you would and just reach up your, your hand and your heart toward heaven, toward the Lord, and say, Father, I thank you so much. You've been gracious to me. 
pride is the nature of the devil. You hate it. I hate it too. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. Teaching me. Helping me to get rid of it. Helping me to identify it. And stop yielding to it. And I'm already expecting. Greater grace. That you give to the humble. I'll give you the praise. I'll give you the thanks. Here am I Lord. Use me. Any way you choose. Any way that's good in your eyes. Not my will. But your will be done. I trust you. And what you say. Hallelujah. Oh just pray some more. Pray in the spirit son. Close your eyes. Focus on him. Life is short. It's passing so quick. God has a plan. He has some very, very good things and some important things. But we have to be teachable, pliable. We have to be flexible and adjustable to find and follow His perfect will. And He said, if you receive those I send, He said, you receive me. He takes delegation very seriously. Oh, thank you, Lord. Phyllis, would you come up here, please? In light of those things, I'd like for you to pray for uh, Phyllis and me. Just reach your hands out this way and, uh, and pray for us. Just pray uh, in your own words, pray in the Spirit for the anointing and the wisdom and the grace for leadership to lead you. One of the greatest favors you ever did yourself is pray for your leaders. So do that right now, please. Do that right now. Oh, Lord, exactly what needs to happen. What would help your flock? What would help your people here in Sarasota and the people watching by Internet and wherever you would lead us? Lord, we're, we're relying on your grace and wisdom. Help us not to get it wrong. Help us to get it right. Help us not to come short, but to... To, to give the people the full help and the full vision and the full leadership and the right example. Oh, we ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it in Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.